You may be seated. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, after years of debate, the time has come to decide whether or not Neil Patrick Harris is guilty of the charge of indecent exposure. Not of a sexual nature, but exposing the American people to his roles in the Smurfs, the Smurfs too, and his questionable singing voice that is just entertaining enough to make you think, sure. We will now proceed with closing statements. Each side will present their final arguments in this case. The prosecution may now come forward. Ms. McLeod. Thank you, Your Honor. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I humbly stand before you today to plead my case on behalf of the state, knowing that the outcome may change the very landscape of our nation. The year is 1988. The Soviets are withdrawing from Afghanistan. Crack cocaine is taking its hold throughout the cities of America. And a little boy named Neil makes his film debut in a movie called Clara's Heart, starring Whoopi Goldberg. A little theater boy on the big screen is not where the issue starts, Your Honor. The issue begins when that little theater boy becomes an adult theater man. There is a mountain of evidence of his wrongdoing, but here are just a few damning examples. During the 2018 Tonys, NPH thought it would be hilarious to tweet, Who is this woman in the top hat backstage at the Tony Awards? Gideon, his son, remarked that she says like and oh my god a lot. I'm confused, dot dot dot, end tweet. The woman he mentions, Emmy and Golden Globe winner Rachel Bloom, star and creator of the hit show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. The worst part? Mr. Patrick Harris and Miss Bloom had met on numerous occasions, and Miss Bloom's husband was a frequent writer on How I Met Your Mother. Despite having a huge head in both the literal and figurative sense, Neil managed to forget this woman who is more talented than he. Forget or refuse to remember? That is for the jury to decide. Let's move on to Mr. Patrick Harris's Architectural Digest house tour presented on YouTube.com. If you are unaware, Mr. Patrick Harris is married to his brunette clone, David Burka, and they live in a multi-million dollar brownstone in Harlem. The couple's abode is chock full of antiques and contemporary art that they can neither appreciate nor explain. They make people sign a guest book when they leave and hide gift cards in drawers around their house as a disgusting display of wealth. As one YouTuber commented, and I quote, It's like I've just dropped acid and wandered into the world's gayest pawn shop. And finally, Your Honor, he just annoys me. He was perfectly cast for How I Met Your Mother, and that is not a compliment. How are parents supposed to explain that show to their children? Plus, he is obsessed with magic. Need I say more? In conclusion, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I hope you agree that any exposure to Neil Patrick Harris is indecent. Thank you. Thank you very much for your service. Let the record reflect that regardless of the outcome of this case, it's safe to say that Neil Patrick Harris is objectively the worst. Uh, the defense may proceed. What say you, Ms. Kent? <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, imagine, if you will, for one split second that you are a little boy born in Albuquerque, New Mexico in 1973. Then I invite you to imagine for one additional second that you grew up in Ruidoso, New Mexico. Now imagine for one last second that you actually move back to Albuquerque, New Mexico to attend La Cueva High School and graduate with high honors, which in your Wikipedia page you attribute to being privately tutored half the school year while on set. What an origin story. 
pulled back and forth and back one more time to the southwest metropolis of Albuquerque, it is no wonder that my client, Neil Patrick Harris, latched on to the good old white American concept of manifest destiny to never stop thrusting himself into the public eye by any means necessary truly until the day he takes his last shallow breath. A theater kid through and through, Neil worked tirelessly to star in films we all know and love. Animal Room, not to be confused with Animal House, Undercover Brother, and Starship Troopers. I know that I have definitely heard of all of these films and have seen them. It was the shift from roles associated with his sanitized Doogie Hauser character to the more unscrupulous and body part in the Harold and Kumar franchise that liberated my client and revitalized his acting career, leading to his now iconic role of Barney Stinson in How I Met Your Mother. You would think that Patrick Harris would just take a break, pride himself on a job well done, but no. A thirst for greatness propelled him to reprise his beloved role in the sequels Harold and Kumar Escape from Guantanamo Bay <laughs> and A Very Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas. With unforgettable roles in Cats and Dogs, The Revenge of Kitty Galore, <laughs> The Smurfs, The Smurfs 2, and his magnum opus, The Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs film franchise, it is apparent that this man truly just won't quit. After starring in a little film called Gone Girl, ever heard of it? Harris hosted the 87th Academy Awards, becoming the first openly gay man and openly musical theater kid to host the awards. An actor, an author, a voice actor, a gay man, <laughs> a blonde man, a husband, a father, a magician, a Vogue 73 Questions alumnus, a memoirist, a young adult novelist, a board game designer, president of the board of directors of Hollywood's Magic Castle, and former guest of honor for a Top Chef Masters episode which took place in the aforementioned Magic Castle, my client really is a Neil of all trades. My client should not be vilified for his unabashed desire to remain in the public's consciousness, whether the public asks for it or not. He should be lauded for his guts, his gall, and his nerve to do so. As many in the industry we call show business know, it's not about talent. It's about audacity. That's right, this defense is brought to you by Audacity, the free open source digital audio editor and recording software. You can use my code Doogie Hauser for 15% off your first monthly purchase of Audacity, available for Windows, Mac, and Linux. I rest my case. Thank you. All righty. The jury will now deliberate and decide the fate of Neil Patrick Harris. A friendly reminder, ladies and gentlemen, that Virginia is a death penalty state, so choose wisely. Okay. I'm actually receiving a collective head nod and see a sign reading, Kill Justice has prevailed, ladies and gentlemen. And live from New York, it's, it's Saturday night! <laughs> what is the meaning of life? Where do we go when we die? Does Google know my blood type? Will she text me back? When will the water wars begin? Does anyone want to date me? I'm Tina. I'm Mary. And together, we'll answer life's biggest questions correctly. correctly. This 
is Artificial Intelligence. <laughs> Hi. <Gina. laughs> Hi, Mary. <laughs> What's up? Nothing. Um, just enjoying the five seconds of good weather before it probably yeah. gets cold again or I'm rainy. And sore from when we played pickleball yesterday which if you don't know what pickleball is it's like geriatric tennis <laughs> <laughs> like for toddlers like there's a geriatric ball. for toddlers yeah, yeah. <laughs> really encompasses all ages <laughs> nine to 99 no nine years old is not a toddler <laughs> nine months to 99 <laughs> now they are they're like stunted so. yeah true it's funny you mentioned that. wait so you're sore from it because yeah. i got a severe sunburn on my forehead and it was partly day. cloudy and we yeah. were out there for one hour <laughs> And I still, I came home and looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, why am I flustered? Like, why am I red in the face? Mm -hmm. And then when it was also like 11 PM and it hadn't dissipated from my five head. Yeah. You're I was like, oh, like, this is here to stay. This is skin damage. Yeah. It's funny because you were wearing like sweatpants and <laughs> you like, you're like, is it okay that I, you had shorts underneath and like took them off? You're like, is this okay? Is this <laughs> indecent exposure? I'm like, shorts are a thing, Tina. Like it's that time of the year again. They were like. Okay, well, that's the thing. First of all, they were like short spandex. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. And I have, I do have like probably most of my curvature <laughs> in that area. So, you know, I'm not like a stick there. And for some reason, when you have a little more like going on around that, mm -hmm. it feels offensive. Gotcha. To the public eye. Yeah. So I did have to check in with. It was a with, father and child playing on the court next yes. to Yes. Um, and I, <laughs> the father did lean over to our friend Caroline and was like you guys are playing a pretty intense, intense game, game aren't yeah. you <laughs> Meanwhile, Meanwhile, I'm pretty sir. sure someone was checking their phone while it was going on <laughs> literally we also kept saying like fuck fuck yeah and literally <laughs> looking over and remembering and there was a the five-year-old thing that I love when people do that including us is that you like try to fix it after like <laughs> you're like oh shit uh, uh yeah, like oh it was, like darn like it doesn't matter like it's like trying to put a band-aid on a bullet wound at exactly that point. also that kid was like what i call like a like a dinosaur gushers kid oh, he was and so cute. he was really cute but he was he was dinosaur like gushers kid. <laughs> if he like missed a, a lob over the net from his dad mm -hmm. he would scream shout <laughs> and it sounded like he was saying shit every yeah time. that's what i thought too i was like oh you're cool you're one of those parents <laughs> yeah. uh, but i don't think he, he was. probably calls you by your first name yeah <laughs> <laughs> wait so where were you were you just sore all over uh I was sore on like my knees, which I think is not actually being sore, but maybe I just don't have any cartilage joint damage in there anymore. <laughs> Irreparable yeah. damage. But uh, it'll go away. I'll be okay, hopefully. That was so, uh, dare I say, healing that game of pickleball. Wasn't like it? I hadn't. <laughs> I I don't know what was going on, but I think I hadn't like I've been exercising. I'm mm -hmm. trying to work out, but I haven't like released that much energy with friends no yeah in, in so long that i my body couldn't do anything but just laugh no literally. like i was laughing so hard the entire time we were doing it i know and i think my body was and my mind were connected in both being <laughs> elated that i was spending quality time with friends outside yeah Imagine if like pickleball stepped in as the new like yoga or you know say like the thing people do for uh what is it self self improvement right self I mean it's way more is fun pickleball <laughs> I the only time I've ever done yoga was a hot yoga class mm -hmm. with some high school friends okay, that was that was just a disaster of an invention from the get go it, I feel it, like. it was so um 
it felt like I was in an alternate universe or like on punked because it was impossible. Like I couldn't um, stay on the mat because I was sweating so much. Mm -hmm. And I was like, there's a disconnect between yeah. form and function. Like Literally. I don't understand how anyone does downward dog like when you're sopping wet. They put the Navy SEALs through to like <laughs> see if you can make it in the field. Right. And is the is the reasoning for hot yoga just that you sweat it out? I don't know. I mean, sweat disclosure, out like I, I don't, I'm not shitting on yoga. I don't know anything about yoga. I know it's a very sacred practice, but I feel like hot yoga was made like it's a bastardization. by white people for white people yeah. to sweat and lose a lot of weight. I don't know if that's true, but um, definitely the pastel version. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also um, was like, I've been after we played pickleball I was like I'm gonna try to do more things like that where it's not just all right I'm working out now where it's just part of my routine yeah, to stay well, active that's what they say to do but it's so hard to I like, know find things that are actually fun well that was the that was how I felt because I was like well I've always wanted to get back into rock climbing um mm -hmm. I did have my ballet license when I was ballet. like seven <laughs> I could only lift up other my seven year olds um <laughs> Um, but the barrier to entry there is so I have high. never had the draw to rock climb. Really? Not once in my life. I think you have to know, it's something where you have to know someone that already does it to kind of force you to go one time and you're yeah. like, this isn't bad. Okay. Like when you're out in the wild rock climbing, this is a really dumb question, but how does the rope get to the top? Is there <laughs> one person who just does it like free for all and like takes the team on their back and then gets to the top without a rope you asked me as if i would know the question <laughs> Come on, the Tina. answer to the question i from um from attending the Banff film festival <laughs> a few times in my life and watching a couple alex honnold documentaries uh -huh. i think um if it's like uncharted territory like mm -hmm. if you're climbing uh like yosemite rock face or something like mm -hmm. that and it hasn't been climbed before you do have to like climb 10 feet nail a thing into the rock oh and then, is that how it works you do it little by little yeah you kind of work up your way in oh. increments so that if you do fall you just go you kind of fall back the 10 feet from your last okay. uh nail in that we should have sense. kate kissler on oh yes our, our friend kate who, uh, who is think west virginia famous via her rock climbing family yeah her family is is west virginia famous for mm -hmm starting the rock climbing community there i <laughs> climb and rocks i know there's a documentary about them that's awesome yeah yeah see the ropes i was kind of thinking it was like a stonehenge situation where we didn't know where they came from they were just there <laughs> can i tell you when i was babysitting two weeks ago there's this one family i love babysitting for their kids because they both are in elementary school and they're in online school most of the time mm. i'm there so i do nothing and i get paid 20 an hour perfect and the little boy, I was like, so what did you learn? Because they take breaks like every 10 minutes. <laughs> and that poor teacher definitely needs it. Mm -hmm. But they'll like be online on their Zoom call for like 10 minutes. And then they're like, we have a 30 minute break. <laughs> and it's like five times mm -hmm. when I'm there. And so I asked him like what he had just learned mm -hmm. in his 10 minutes of class. And he was like, we were learning about Stonehenge. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, what did you learn about it? And he was like, well, we learned that we don't really know how it got there. And I was like, well, how do you think it got there? And with, without like if skipping a beat, Minecraft, I'm gonna he goes avalanche. Oh. <laughs> an avalanche. You can't prove it wasn't an avalanche. <laughs> and I said, I have no you reason to say you're wrong. <laughs> like, but avalanche. Avalanche. <laughs> In the like countryside of 
England. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Why not? In the flatlands of England. Yeah. <laughs> An avalanche. On that note of like online learning, I have been like on Reddit a lot and there's a lot of um, like master degree slander on there about like it's a waste of money. You should just go on YouTube and learn everything. Like, do you find yourself like actually be able to teach yourself something like important, uh, complex topics and things on YouTube? Are you one of those people? Hmm. It's it's weird. It's kind of like what we were talking about, like in one of our first episodes where I feel like it's almost impossible because you are into like one topic and then YouTube and other Mm -hmm. websites, applications just run with it and you go down a rabbit hole of that thing. You're not really. um, There's no structure like a yeah course, it's like a me, it's a vertical yeah. uh, journey not a horizontal and you learn one. what you want to learn like what shows up in your recommended exactly videos, like it's almost like how do I learn about something if I do- don't even know it exists as yeah. something to learn about yeah I mean I'll give uh, for once in my life credit to my older brother who um, <laughs> was a history major in college and then graduated and realized he didn't want to do it at all and wanted to go into computer science and he is one of those people he taught himself like a few coding languages by himself like no course no teachers he just had like a book read it and youtube yeah that is something that i feel like you either have or you don't as a person mm-hmm. um i don't know if it's a myers-briggs or yeah. a Enneagram type situation. But I will give my ex-boyfriend credit. He did do that. Like he was Isn't always it, it's, I don't want to say very like, adamant about learning thing, new things. That's, I'm not trying to limit it to men, but like they're so good at that. Why? I think it's the it what the we've confidence? talked about. It was it's it's that confidence. <laughs> Motorcycle going. <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's the unabashed like Like I will learn this. I can do it. Yeah, yeah. like why wouldn't I be yeah. able to? I'm amazing, I'm amazing. <laughs> And women are like, I could never learn about no. this. <laughs> like, on that note, I've been thinking about, like, what I've been into now is habits and, like, breaking them and making them. And I've been reading this book called Tiny Habits by hilarious name, BJ Fogg, <laughs> <laughs> which just sounds like the world's funniest natural disaster. Like, <laughs> the great BJ Fogg of 1888. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Devastating millions. Devastating. <laughs> um, but yeah, his whole thing is like you procrast. It's it's that motivation is not the right fuel to learn something or do something mm. consistently. You need like more discipline, and like doing that is by breaking up a big task. Like I want to learn like Python or something, mm-hmm. and like making it something very small every day to do, like more attainable. Yeah. Um, I don't know. If, I just feel like naturally i'm in my mid-20s so i feel like i'm every moment i'm alive i'm wasting time <laughs> yeah. um and i don't know i just feel like if i could get a handle on uh how i use my time more I don't know, i'd be like a genius or something and sure absolutely just, yeah. what are the things you're trying to break up to accomplish like do you have well any- that's the thing <laughs> one of the things in the book is like you have to have very specific goals or like what you want to do and I don't really have that so we have to make a vision board yeah exactly I got dang I'm really on that self-help wave for the past like three episodes how could you not there's nothing else to I do. know exactly I think that's it there's literally nothing else to do except scrutinize yourself but mm-hmm. um I just feel like I want to like reinstate old habits instead of making new ones like I don't read anymore and mm-hmm. I like just I feel like I just sit on my phone all day. I guess the biggest thing I would want to break is my screen time habit and then use that to like 
do little things. It's funny. I picked up um, something that I was doing really hardcore in the past summer and then ended in the fall was the morning pages from Mm -hmm. the artist way, which I heard about from Jacqueline Novak and yeah, the morning pages are just um, like three pages of stream of consciousness writing. Yeah. You do every morning. You're supposed to do it before anything else. That but was I, another thing. I like, I want to write every day. Yeah. Um, this is this is really uh, low stakes because it's just, again, stream of consciousness. Right. So if you can't even think of what to write, you just keep writing. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what to write about. I don't know what to write about until something comes to you. Yeah. And it should be truly the first thing you think of. Um, and then the the whole point is that once you do it um, habitually, then you'll kind of come into, you'll start seeing patterns in what you, your mm-hmm. mind just automatically goes to. Like at first I was kind of like, first today I do this and then <laughs> I want to do this today <laughs> and then this. And then it was kind hair. of like, I want to uh, rekindle my relationship with my mother. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Things like that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I feel like eventually if you were doing that, you'd bore yourself with the mundane things and like, okay, I'm going to actually delve Well, right that's now. what the author of The Artist Way says. She's like, the more you write about the same thing and don't do anything about it, the more f- like you're like, okay, come on. like Yeah, let's do it. Kick yourself in the ass. Yeah. And like, so we stop writing about this over <laughs> and over again. It's so funny. You know how the couch in my apartment is like missing a leg and so it yeah. leans. um i use a couple of books to prop it up and one of the books is the artist's way <laughs> it's really it is helping you me, in one very specific yeah concrete exactly way. it's well it's funny because i stopped doing it i i keep all of my entries on one google doc mm-hmm. and i have like 89 pages of it um and i stopped in september mm-hmm. so it's been a while and yesterday again you're supposed to do in the morning but yesterday I was so full from my dinner that I felt like a piece of shit yeah like you know when you're just yeah exactly you're like I want to cut my stomach out yeah yeah makes you feel um and so I was like what's something I can do right now so I started like just stretching on the floor Mm -hmm. to like move my body and try to digest a little bit and then was listening to Phoebe Bridgers and Mm. Aldous Harding (laughs) so Whoa. much so that <laughs> I started cocktail. <laughs> I know doing that and like a uh, really uh, low uh, quality downward dog mm. sent me into a <laughs> low quality <downward laughs> sent me into almost like a spiritual awakening where I was like I can do anything and yeah I have to write this down right now and so I started writing um just three pages of morning pages and then it turned into like five pages of true psycho mm-hmm. stream of consciousness writing that's the best stuff yeah it's really enlightening and um came into a couple um realizations wow. i realized things you realize things were realized yeah so mm-hmm. i was like damn i need to do this again of course i did not do it this morning no and um, that's my <laughs> thing i am so inconsistent it's like i don't know why this didn't occur to me in college or even growing up but the idea of like when you're done using a plate you just put it directly in the mm-hmm. dishwasher instead of the sink it's such an easy fix and like saves you so much time and mental energy yeah but i didn't start doing that until recently but it's like like i said so easy and i'm just worried there are other parts of my life like that that mm. i'm just missing that like a little tweak would yeah. really like maybe like reading for 15 minutes a day would you know help yeah. something else again out. i think it's part like we just have to delete tiktok from our <laughs> no! phones we have to marry we really do and then also i have like one aunt that i look to 
for how to like live my life Mm -hmm. she never married she never had kids I'm not saying that's necessarily what I want to do but I think it was very instrumental in how she lived her life (laughs) and I wrote this in what I was writing last night like uh her life I can tell is not about like hedonism like we've talked about Mm -hmm. it's not about I think I get confused with um, pursuing happiness 24-7 as yeah. pursuing comfort. Right. And it's not. It's about, I think, self-respect. Mm-hmm. And I can see that in her. Like, she respects herself enough to do, uh, to be disciplined in areas mm-hmm. um, and do things like take time to put the dishes in the dishwasher yeah. right after using it, um, using all parts of the, like, <laughs> buffalo when yeah. she cooks and... <laughs> play like, pickleball with your friends on the weekend. exactly <laughs> and she also is just so n- not concerned at all with how anyone thinks of her right and walks through life very drama free mm-hmm. um and just looks so much better for it she's like i think she's like 60 and just looks amazing yeah and you can tell yeah. on her face i'm talking about heidi uh, no oh i know i know <laughs> exactly <laughs> i know the guiding aunt yes um and i don't know i want to live life more like that and mm-hmm. i think yeah you're right like making small habits now is important yeah. being 23 24 yeah um but that was a huge breakthrough for me i think realizing that it's not about um just chasing a quick dopamine fix right. all the time mm-hmm. it's about doing like small things you may not want to do but are adult things to get done yeah in order to set yourself up do, in the future yeah. and then i'm like literally the other day I was like kind of having a bad morning, but then I opened the freezer and realized that I had the wherewithal to fill the ice cube tray the night before. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I can do this. (laughs) Yes. I can can live live another day. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I can do this like little things. Yeah. I know. I also, there was one really helpful uh, piece of advice that I saw on TikTok. So there's that internal <laughs> struggle. I learn a lot on TikTok. I know. And I'm afraid to give it up. I, I'm wondering if I should just like be very, um, like, very harsh with uh, being like, I don't want to see this kind of content when it's something yeah, that doesn't serve really, me. Like a skinny you know, 16 year old just showing out. her body God. for no reason. Have you seen that? Like, there's this thing that like size zero zero girls will do where Trying they'll just to prove like they have a stomach roll like i hate that shit <laughs> well kind of the opposite they'll just like set the camera up on like their bed or something mm-hmm. and then just walk like three steps back and then just like shift a little yes bit. Yeah. like showcasing literally their body. like a super smash rose character when you're trying to choose them <laughs> and then that's the tiktok that's yeah, the that's whole it. thing it's very weird to see young people come to the realization that they like have power because they're attractive yeah full pretty privilege yeah engaged and they're like learning about it and, and youth clearly. privilege yeah yeah um how do you feel about the millennial gen z battle discourse <laughs> i i uh, wish millennials I, what are we again we're not millennials. we're cusps we're, we're cusps. like right on the on the teetering edge of mm-hmm. both i wish they wouldn't fight it millennials because it just obviously makes it more embarrassing yeah um yeah it's it's like that thing, the vicious cycle, when someone makes a joke about you, you're, like, not allowed to be upset because then they'll be like, oh, you're just proving my point. Exactly. Like, yeah. You're feeding the fire. You're feeding the fire. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, they're, these are children who, like, they're still going through their Tumblr, like, they think they know everything theory yeah. and life-wise phase, and then they're going to look back five years from now and be like, oh, my God. Right. Like, we did. Right. Well, that's the thing. I watched a video 
and uh, the girl who was in it just briefly mentioned this whole thing. And she was saying she realized that most of the um, fighting was happening between really young Gen Z mm-hmm. and really old millennials oh, because yeah. at least on the Gen Z side, like we have grown up kind of in the middle. So we've seen um, like Gen Z will comment really harsh things on something mm-hmm. a millennial will post because they've, they're too young to realize that the internet is not just like a vacuum where something goes out and they won't be reprimanded for it right. later, that things have consequences. Right. Yeah. The consequences. Right. Where we've in their brains. existed maybe only like three years more than they have but we've seen people like not get into college because they've said the Mm -hmm. n-word and um (laughs) or like will bully cyber bully someone and they get fired from their job like you know yeah what however you feel about cancel cancel culture like some things do have consequences and I think 15 year olds are almost too young to know that yet yeah even not even like hard and fast consequences like that which still are are obviously going to be a thing but like imagine talking about your 15 year old sex life very specifically on the internet Mm -hmm. and then being your age now like we would be mortified exactly yeah and they're going to be I know they're going to be I know and And the amount of views that these get and it's and there's really graphic yes like Like, I know I did talk about taking nudes last no (laughs) (laughs) two podcasts that's like sending mail it's like snail mail (laughs) nudes snail I do look like a snail when I'm (laughs) no No, but they're like they'll post something they're like when the blah 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 and you're like Jesus Jesus Christ Christ, you're 13 (laughs) your whole high school and like someone like all of India has yeah. seen this. Like, I, I really genuinely want to ask him, like, do you, did you not think this would go viral or did you hope it would? Yeah, it's very much a double-edged sword. I don't, yeah, it's super, my cat went viral on TikTok, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, forgot I forgot to mention that. that. <laughs> he will be so embarrassed in five that, years. <laughs> he has to know that these things have yeah. consequences. <laughs> I, that was jarring only because I had no idea your it makes sense that your brother would have a TikTok. Yeah, that was also not jarring to me, but I didn't know that he had a TikTok, which I don't know why I think thought he didn't. Yeah, but then would even post on there and yeah. then would go viral for his yeah. content. Wait, which brother? Was it older or younger brother? No, no, my younger brother, Alex. Okay. Uh, makes shout sense. out. Granted, I was like, I looked through his videos and they were actually pretty funny, so he's allowed to keep his TikTok, but... <laughs> so he's like... <laughs> older sister says i can keep my tiktok i know and it's just so weird because now i obviously makes us feel like the old hags like oh this will have consequences in the future like you know how many people see saw that blah 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 like but it's true i think like they're not realizing yet that privacy is one of the most valuable things we'll have you have to protect it like yeah yeah no i don't know and then listen to us it's funny because i think someone wrote a think piece which i also think we shouldn't do <laughs> you we're- better be thinking if you're writing a piece for washington post like i hope so <laughs> they're they were writing how millennials are kind of reacting uh the way that they are because it's kind of the first time they're not um in the public eye like they've kind of mm. always been talked about as yeah, like the youngest generation it's been a very, they're like a what's it called um um, um a, wor- a buzzword like mm-hmm. their whole generation was a buzzword for and so now it's long. yeah you know who it's so fascinating to me that gen x goes unheard and unseen yeah i don't even know who that truly is. the lost generation yeah. <laughs> gen <laughs> x is um gen x was born between 1965 and 1979 slash 80 
So yeah, my parents were born before 1965. But I I feel like we don't hear any discourse about Gen X, or maybe I don't. Not like specifically. I don't know. I feel like it's because that um, generation, like our parents' age, very much have pretty much control of like the major I don't I don't know if it's that deep but like the news outlets and things like are all people around our parents age I don't think they're gonna go in on like it it made sense when they would make fun of millennials because it's like you always pick on the younger generation and what they're doing wrong but it wouldn't really make sense true plus millennials just had more to grapple with like yeah. I think Gen X was kind of the barnacle on yeah. baby boomers and so they kind of had very similar traits right. like not a ton general generationally happened to differentiate the right. two they kind of rode their parents coattails in terms of like being able to buy houses and get jobs and yeah they just kind of settled and, and then, then millennials <laughs> yeah. had to deal with being present as children for like 9-11 and crisis. the internet yeah, yeah. so the internet well, I'm glad we solved that. Yeah. <laughs> I w- oh, wrap it up. Okay. <laughs> We're never wanna- supposed to acknowledge that, but we do every time. <laughs> I think it's a nice constant. Yeah. Is always a- <laughs> not smoothly acknowledged. Yeah. Or- <laughs> um, there was one thing I wanted to talk to you about because um, I was listening to Poog, the mm-hmm. podcast with Jacqueline Novak and Kate Berlant. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I thought was so funny was Jacqueline Novak was talking about uh, the presence of boar's head in 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 a um, grocery store mm-hmm. like calms her. <laughs> Interesting. Maybe I'm paraphrasing or putting projecting my own. <laughs> I, I'm buying on it. it. But like I feel when she said that I felt so seen because it it's a brand that I feel so loyal to. Boar's head. Um, I guess I just grew up my with my mom always getting like cold cuts lunch mm. meat from boar's head, mm-hmm. and so it's something that. I can't imagine getting anything else. And if I'm in a, a unfamiliar grocery store, like on a a trip <laughs> or something like that, and I see yeah. the Boar's Head logo, my heart rate kind of mm-hmm. rests a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was wondering if there's brands like that you feel <laughs> a strong like brand loyalty to. Hmm. It's funny. I wasn't thinking of a specific like store brand when you started talking about that, but um, like. I, the idea of like never having an original thought like <laughs> came up uh, a while back when the concept of like how everyone poops in a Barnes and Noble <laughs> is a thing <laughs> or has diarrhea or yeah if in Tina's case um, <laughs> which I just thought was so funny because it's literally the second you walk in it's like why does everyone feel the need to use a Barnes and Noble bathroom and like why is that the spot <laughs> I really thought that, that that was like a me thing. And then I f- figured out it was universal. And I don't know why that is the case because at least in my experience, my Barnes and Noble wasn't single stall. It was <laughs> multi-stall. Yeah. It should have been just as stressful to go shit. I don't shit. know. It's like the smell of new books is like a diuretic or something. I think it's also like the, yeah, um, maybe a bookstore is so calming because the echo is diminished by mm-hmm. all the pages of the books and the yeah. and the rug that kind of the air is a little more still yeah, exactly. and like the smell of the wood uh-huh. pulverized into pages yeah. is kind of like it smells like you're in kind of nature <laughs> and then there's the there's the familiarity again of the brand starbucks usually yes, attached yes you know mm-hmm. that i think kind of just 
is a calling card to your body to kind of release its toxins yeah okay that's true and that's how I feel because nothing is a better case study than the fact that my uh, local Barnes & Noble is in the same like shopping center as the Target Mm -hmm. and I would never dream of shitting in a Target no god linoleum floors fluorescent lighting yeah <laughs> you will see yourself for what you are in a target bathroom. all your wrinkles yeah. literally i look 40 years older when i look in the mirror there mm-hmm. but then at barnes and noble it's like striped wallpaper yeah it's always the striped wallpaper cheesecake that's been sitting there yeah, you feel like you're eloise in the plaza a little that's, bit yes that is the like that is the color scheme yeah yeah and then there's the um the children's section that looks the same in every single one mm-hmm. where there's like a little bit of an amphitheater platform you know <laughs> i used to irish step dance in the barnes and nobles <laughs> that's like was one of our stomping grounds the literally t- the tiktok you made where you <laughs> talked about doing an irish step dance uh, at the opening of a chick-fil-a <laughs> yeah and then we took a picture with the cow afterwards like. I, ha- I have to tell you i have a bit of ignorance because anytime you talked about step dancing i assumed you were I guess it's river dancing where you're wearing. So that is a form of Irish step dancing. Okay. Like soft shoe and hard shoe. Okay. I did both. But. So so why in the Chick-fil-A were you in a um, white button down and black skirt? That was like for some reason the general uniform for a little bit. There was like the green dress and tights. And yeah, that's what I picture. curly hair. Um, that was like more for competitions and things. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't pull that stuff out unless we really needed to. <laughs> For bring it on, yeah. Irish stuff. I think I literally competed at a competition that uh, Abby Lim- Abby Lee Miller's dance competition. You're was kidding? At. How's this all just now coming up? In I don't know. I didn't see her, but funny. But enough, she was present. <laughs> yeah, one of my childhood friends that I see once a year because we have a yearly Christmas Eve party. Um, we were talking and he used to be my Irish step dancing partner. He's my neighbor and like childhood friend. <laughs> um, and he was like, I have a picture of me sitting on Abby Lee Miller's lap. And oh, I was like, are you fucking kidding my me? God. Like what? And he does. <laughs> it's just him sitting on Abby Lee Miller's lap and they're like smiling and waving at the camera. Oh and my I God. have no idea why he has it. I don't remember. That's the literally how uh, my friend has a picture of her on OJ Simpson's lap <laughs> because her... <laughs> She was out to dinner and her dad reckoned- They're both <laughs> hardcore criminals. <laughs> her dad saw OJ Simpson, obviously knew who he was, yeah. thought it would be really funny to I just agree. to just tell her that it was a famous uh athlete. He didn't lie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he wasn't yeah, he was not lying. And be like, hey, go over and like ask for a an autograph or a picture or something like that. And mm-hmm. uh so she did. <laughs> and I think he was like, sure. That's <laughs> so amazing. He, she's on his lap in the picture. Yeah. That's got to be worth something. It, it really has to be. <laughs> we'll auction that off for our AI <laughs> podcast. We won't even ask her. We'll just <laughs> yeah, take yeah. it. Take it. <laughs> I know Frame where they it. keep it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> preface this convo with the acknowledgement that 
we are two white cisgender women. So when it comes to <laughs> fighting against the standards of society, our struggles are nominal compared Imagine to other Imagine people groups. not knowing. Yeah. That we In were case white. this is a surprise to you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, other groups experience this sort of thing 10 times, 100 times over. But I guess this is just me and Tina's uh, uh, experiences. So that being said, Tina, I feel like I'm in this place in life. Um, and some people would argue that like from the second a woman is born, she's in this place. But I'm at this point where both like in my career and in my passions, I need men to like me in order to <laughs> rise through the ranks. And I don't mean in like a pick me like male validation sense. I mean, mm-hmm. in the, like I need a promotion or a raise kind of thing yeah it's um, not you want it from internal it's yeah external. <laughs> externally they need to like you in order for you to yeah. succeed yeah and it kind of scares me because historically I have not really been able to win guys over in that way um for one reason or another we'll get into that <laughs> um so in terms of a question and I'm not trying to like bastardize this into a what's it like to be a woman in comedy kind of thing. <laughs> but I guess I'm asking if you like feel that mounting pressure too, or if you're like competing competing in a game that you don't think you'll ever win, mm. um, like kind of mending your behavior in order to gain any good graces that you can to like gain ahead. Do you feel that in any way? Like yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see if how you had anyone said no, couldn't. I would have. Like, <laughs> I actually feel something. pretty yeah. serene with my place in the world. Yeah. Thanks. We can cut this short. Um, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, what's your like experience with that? Your hmm. a journey. Like, I guess. I mean, I said that it wasn't like an internal thing, but it definitely started as that. Like, I never want to give the impression that I was always like, I don't need men. I don't need them to like me. Like, mm-hmm. I was obsessed with getting the appreciation and validation of men like I would men boys like growing up Mm -hmm. like I only ever hung out with guys and I would play Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh I was about to say like as as far as like girls go Mm -hmm. and girl activities you were just from knowing like the friend group you had like Mm -hmm. you were a tomboy would you say yeah yeah just because you probably people putting that label on you just because you liked conventional boy things i think so it it was kind of a like a by chance thing that everyone in my neighborhood growing up my age were boys Mm. and my two brothers were like close in age to me um so there just were no girls my age to hang out with but i really leaned in to like not liking girly things i was one of those Mm. kids i like i think i cried one year when i got a barbie for a secret santa gift exchange you cried (laughs) That's like a, a visceral reaction, I know. though. Yeah, and like that, that like insisted through high school too. Uh-huh. Um, like I had a lot of guy friends, and I would do anything to like get their attention, even though it wasn't like I wanted their romantic attention in yeah. any way. I didn't know that at the time, but I thought that's what it was. But it wasn't. I just wanted their validation, approval. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what was you went to an all girls school? So, <laughs> yeah. what was your experience with that? I mean, going to an all girls school, I think that's the reason my mom insisted I go there to avoid that. Was your school from like K through 12? Yeah. Oh, wow. And I did go there from kindergarten through 12th grade. That's, wow. But going to an all girls school does not uh, <laughs> exclude you. From- yeah. It does not allow you to escape that because mm-hmm. I can tell you that. I don't know if I've explained this on the podcast before, but the way 
my school worked was we were all girls school half a mile like down the street was an all boys school that mm-hmm. we were linked <laughs> yeah brother and boy and sister school it just reminds me of that meme with like the black house beach house and the pink and purple <laughs> one right next to each other <laughs> essentially yes that is the case um and in in the high school from grades 9 through 12 they uh they mix you mm-hmm. they start uh you have co-ed classes um starting with your language class uh freshman year and then um every year more and more are co-ed mm-hmm. um and so you like bus back and forth from school <laughs> to school so period weird. to period yeah there was one year where I lost like 10 pounds because every other class I had was at a different school yeah so I was r- sprinting from campus to campus to make class I was what? incredibly fit that's um, <laughs> yeah. that's but funny. let me try to stay on track okay so basically um I do think that the all-girl environment did allow for us to cultivate a personality and a confidence through middle school. Mm -hmm. But then almost freshman year, at least my experience and what I thought I saw was that girls kind of had a, um, it was a shock Mm -hmm. when they were in classes with boys. Like no one wanted to raise their hand in a class at St. Chris. Oh, interesting. So they, there was like a trepidation around boys. Oh yeah. Like a total, uh, for, it was like a foreign, land Mm. that you had to navigate did the boys feel that way about the girls no and that's the thing at least I don't think so Mm -hmm. but that was what was so maddening was it's like they care they couldn't care less that we were there yeah you were house plants on the window exactly like it seemed like no matter what school they were at like mm-hmm. if they had classes at St. Catharines or St. Chris I'd be honestly uh curious to know if that was actually the case or if I'm projecting this onto them <laughs> like I, I should ask some of my friends yeah. um some of my guy friends um how they felt in those classes but my experience was that girls were petrified to speak up they studied twice as hard to make sure they didn't sound like an idiot in class mm-hmm. And then still would like dumb themselves down when answering questions Mm -hmm. or asking a question. And then guys kind of existed uh, like as is and we were Mm. extras. Yeah. Um, But the intense need for male validation was (laughs) absolutely present in all areas um, there starting from like our first time having like cotillion with them in Mm -hmm. sixth grade through now and forever. Mm -hmm. Um, And I definitely think I did what you said you did where I didn't even think, I don't even think it was a romantic need. Like Mm -hmm. I was terrified as I've said before of a boy even touching me through high school, but I just needed them all to think I was cool and chill and smart and funny yeah I guess like the that need for male validation like has grown up with me now and it's like followed me into adult life like I think people sometimes frame it as you know you become aware of it and then you shed it um but when you have male bosses and Mm. higher-ups and things it's like it takes on it's like it evolved into a different thing yeah because even in college it was it was still annoying, like, going to parties and, like, the guys, like, not making eye contact if they weren't sexually attracted to you. Right. Like, but well, that's just what, something that needs to be. What were the consequences, you know, of that? Besides, obviously, there were consequences, but not, I won't say not real life, but mm-hmm. not 
in a post-grad adult way. Yeah. I actually think I see it more as a consequence now than Mm -hmm. in like high school because the most boys could give me in high school was like just attention, Mm -hmm. but they had very little power over like my uh, successes. Yeah. That's the thing. Now. Yeah. Like at, uh, I'll give some like general examples. Like there have been times where I know that I've been um given probably like comedy show opportunities because Mm. um I was wearing a tight shirt the last time I did a show (laughs) pretty privilege is showing and I'm not even being um no I know uh, you're not uh what do you call it what's the word I said I know I don't even know what you're gonna (laughs) say and I was like no I know Tina don't I'm not even being um conceited no 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 you're not being that (laughs) uh neurotic about it Mm -hmm. or paranoid Mm -hmm. they said to my face like oh you really like brought out the like tight shirt for this one yeah Um, luck like luckily that a comment like that does not phase me but I can but I can see that it's things like that that have given me some opportunities Mm there have been other times where I was like uh interning at the coalition you Mm -hmm. can like work the bar and stuff during shows and stuff like that so I meet a lot of people by like literally like serving them beer and Mm -hmm. wine um and then like this guy came up uh during a show like during a break Mm -hmm. tried to flirt with me I was like doing my job (laughs) and then like a couple days later like dm'd me Mm. um on instagram and was like hey like a few of us are getting together to be in this like sketch writing group or something naturally and he'd only ever seen my like sketch showcase like for my 101 class <laughs> right where I like yeah. didn't do it and it's such that puts you in such a weird position because what are you gonna do say no like you could but also you're it's like okay but maybe I should use this well I did and that's the thing I it's kind of a damned if you do damned if you don't yeah. situation because I was telling like my friend at the time like I'm gonna just take it because nothing's ever gonna happen with this guy like I'm not gonna allow that to right happen but I will use his sexual weaknesses (laughs) to further my my career like him like having this uh crush on me and then giving me this avenue will literally uh introduce me to other people Mm -hmm. yeah like an opportunity that I wouldn't have otherwise if I wasn't maybe wearing a a low-cut top (laughs) but that's the thing I'm not saying that's a good thing I'm saying it's a uh no, you are you recognize it for what it is, but yeah, what are you gonna do? That's interesting because we've talked about before, um, like I don't know if many straight men are gonna go around saying Hannah Gadsby is their favorite comedian. <laughs> you know, it's so dependent on the way you look, and they will deny it and deny it, but it's true. Like, yeah, they're so quick to be like, she's fucking disgusting. I know, and it's like, give me a reason. <laughs> yeah other than you don't want to fuck her i don't have to find you funny okay (laughs) i don't owe that to you it's like well (laughs) why are you so quick to jump and say that you hate this person and not like the like fat like balding guy that's also (laughs) doing comedy i don't know and it's like scary to think i don't know i'm like i have my moments but i'm generally confident in myself and i don't think i'm like ugly or whatever you are not um that's what I was fishing for thank you (laughs) (laughs) um but you know I we've 
I don't know. I, I don't want to go as far. I think the concept of like, hmm, we talked about it a little bit how women just are so many more women. There are so many more attractive women than there are attractive men. And it's like mm-hmm. the standards are so skewed. Um, and it's, I don't know. It's like, if will you ever really make it if you are not the standard of attractive woman? Right. Well, we were just talking about how um, I was watching Project X with Dom mm-hmm. and a scene in the movie. Yes, I did watch Project X in 2021 <laughs> a couple of days ago, unfortunately. Um, and uh, one of the scenes is like the kind of uh, squirmish every man uh protagonist boy that's mm-hmm. like a sophomore or junior and he's you know lanky looks like an anchovy right um and because he's like it's his birthday and he's hosting the party mm-hmm. the uh slut uh popular yeah, yeah. girl just automatically wants to have sex with him mm-hmm. and so they're like hooking up in this in this scene and i'm just thinking like in no movie is the uh you know four or five out of ten girl quote unquote mm-hmm. ever getting the chance to hook up with the right. slut boy either, like the popular yeah, boy if, if it happens then it's one of those like they wake up in the morning after a drunk night and he looks at her and he's like oh what did i do right where yeah. it's like the main i was trying to explain this when we were talking about it where it's like never is it the uh side quest for the girl and she has another main right. quest for for that guy in project x his main quest was having like the party of the century Mm -hmm. and then this hookup he was having with her was just a cherry on top yeah like if if the if the uh average looking girl is ever having sex with the or hooking up with the uh god-like man Mm -hmm. that is the main yeah storyline right and the consequences and benefits that come from that you know Mm -hmm. so that made me a little mad, yeah. but I literally did not have the energy to yeah. even bring it up when I was watching it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, sometimes it feels like beating a dead horse, but at the same time, I'm like, have we really made any improvements and like this kind of thing? I just want to, I saw a tweet a while back um, that was like, I like am a hundred percent genuine when I say I want a movie with average people, <laughs> average looking people doing average things, like not you know the movie star protocol like right not the 10 out of 10 in glasses it's so embarrassing as a society that that persists (laughs) i know aliens are all gonna think we look like scarlett johansson and that's like the ugly one (laughs) i I think i read that chris pratt was okay the is chris pratt the guardians of the galaxy christian i think and i can look this up but I was reading his Wikipedia page and, and the whole idea of being discovered by just, he was like in a restaurant and an agent looked at him and it was like, I'm going to make you famous. Like I know exactly what he's eating too. I'm sure he, it was like a barbecue chicken sandwich. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> With his youth group. Like yeah, someone's playing acoustic exactly. guitar. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but it's so funny to me that people literally just get catapulted into fame, fortune and <laughs> eternal, you know, comfort Uh, yeah because they were born good looking yeah like i'm screaming into the void here i know but it's yeah it's nothing anyone's never talked about but but it is anything new pretty privilege is real it's just um it's kind of amazing too that the virtue people just put onto beautiful people Mm -hmm. just assuming that someone who's 
pretty by virtue is smarter kinder (laughs) yeah yeah, um it's more talented it's the thing where they make jesus like one white but two extremely sexy like in yes (laughs) like recreations of the bible and like picture books literally shredded shredded just like jawline of god of his father and (laughs) it's like why what do i feel like he would probably put on some stress weight literally (laughs) like being the i just know he wouldn't look like i don't know a nice sculpture yeah of a man like (laughs) if he's made in god's image but he is human is that is that the lore like <laughs> i feel like he would have a little bit of a double chin yeah to be at least relatable it's also funny that if he's made in god god's image all these illustrators are like god is hot god is god sex is god is sex god is sex <laughs> god looks like russell brand yeah, for some reason a minute <laughs> god does not look like michael sarah he <laughs> what if god looked like michael sarah <laughs> You got to heaven and he's playing that one like that song what is it oh Do you you're know a part time oh no <laughs> i was thinking of just, the, um, you're a part-time lover and yeah, a full-time yeah, friend it's elliot page <laughs> yeah is the angel gabriel the angel gabriel <laughs> oh my gosh but yeah i guess long story short i am just mad about it <laughs> yeah but it's it's kind of a um a, a conversation that could go on forever because it's like like the israeli-palestinian conflict <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> there is no <laughs> every both sides it's a lose-lose situation yeah. like uh do you play into it if you reject it it's okay, such a I beast do not know enough about it there's got to be a there's yeah there's got to be a wrong side to that right of the israeli-palestinian yeah, conflict. there is right <laughs> I think, objectively but i think what i'm saying is both sides We'll never not think they're... Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about this, like, uh, perpetual... Like, perpetuators... Perpetrators? <laughs> yeah, perpetrators. Prosecutors? Prosecutors. Of, like, misogyny will just continue to do so because mm-hmm. it's comfortable and all they know. Well, I think what really freaks me out about it is that uh, probably, like, I don't know it's stupid to put a percentage on it, but maybe like 90% of it is like unconscious. Like, I don't know if guys actively realize what they're doing when they do this, when Uh, they, I don't know. Like, obviously they can have the conscious thought like this girl's hot. I want to be in proximity to her. So I'm going to invite her to do this thing with me. Yeah. Um, But I, I think it goes even like deeper than that. How do you feel about the, Again, the TikTok discourse <laughs> about, um, I guess it started with the whole like bimboification thing, but mm-hmm. it, a subset of the, of the conversation is when there was kind of like a mini wave of feminism where people were like, I wear makeup for me, not mm-hmm. for men. And yeah. then recently people have been like, well, it's okay to, you know, every woman mm-hmm. has the right to do it with whatever they want for the, with their body, but you can't say that, uh, doing makeup to fit societal standards is liberation yeah because it's not (laughs) i know so how do you feel about that uh inner turmoil i think it's interesting that things are starting to come back around from um the initial like dove beauty commercials where it's like do this for you not (laughs) for anyone and everyone's like wait a minute like no we still do these things for other people Mm -hmm. um i don't know i (laughs) this is going off topic and like not to get 
too serious or deep, but like there's a lot of that with like the porn industry or like mm-hmm. sex workers and yeah. how like everyone's like, it's her body, let her do what she wants. It's a very similar discussion. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now people are like, hold on, like you can support the worker and not the industry that is evil. Right. <laughs> like That's still, it's very, there's still so much wrong with it. So right. hold your horses on saying that everything's okay and yeah, going gung-ho. Exactly. I just think people tend to obviously uh, oversimplify a little bit. Yeah. Oversimplify. Yeah. And everything. Again, like no one can and, and I'm including myself in this because I think it's very hard for the, like the human brain to do this but mm-hmm. just think in nuance and yeah that everything is truly like gray mm-hmm. and you know it's not one revelation and then a counter revelation right, exactly. it can be both or neither at the same time yeah um, which makes moving forward difficult because mm-hmm. there's so much it's so hard for everyone to get on a similar page yeah but it feels impossible generally it's but quite exhausting yes we'll solve it someday in the next <laughs> episode the really <laughs> this is conflict. gonna be a two-parter <laughs> next episode <laughs> exactly um damn there's a question i wanted to ask you um how did you feel like uh going to like school dances like you know mm-hmm. the um the I guess it's not a pregame when you're like 14, but like mm-hmm. when you're getting ready with friends and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And obviously we've talked about you coming into your <laughs> gayness yeah. and maybe not necessarily knowing it at the time mm-hmm. fully, but that was definitely a point of stress and yeah. getting ready for going out in college too. You know going what I mean? Out. Oh yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it's always been a point of stress for me and it like still is. Um, I only went to a couple of high school dances because it, I never found them remotely fun. <laughs> mm, okay, just like even like less seriously, like what were your dances like? Um, they were like I liked the getting ready part enough. I would always have to have someone else do everything for me, which I still kind of do because I just never got into hair or makeup. Uh-huh. And I'm still not great at it, but see, I'm the opposite. I can't have anyone else do it. I cannot <laughs> have anyone else touch me. Yeah. No. I mean. That's another thing. I just like, I really leaned in too far to the whole, I'm not a girly girl. I'm not going to do makeup. I'm not going to do like learn how to do my hair. And I really regret it now because I like missed the acceptable window of trial period Mm. where trial and error, where you could like look insane a little bit when you were figuring things out. And then once you got better at it, it's fine. But anyways, um, school dances were, you'd take pictures outside. Mostly I never went with anyone except for eighth grade. (laughs) (laughs) oh my god was it a friend yeah it was just a friend thing um but for the most part that was okay because a lot of i had the groups i would in most people went as friends or as a big group of friends Mm -hmm. and you'd like take pictures which are so cringy to look at now (laughs) and then literally just the actual dances were the worst yeah they it was like Katy perry and taylor swift playing (laughs) and people talking in the middle of the dance floor yeah were people wearing um like dresses or like jeans oh in middle school it was jeans Uh um in high school we would we didn't have that many dances we had like homecoming and then obviously prom um and there was like a winter formal or something okay yeah and those were all dresses (laughs) prom was long dresses the other two were short dresses yeah i'm sorry i'm just remembering that i was like what dances did we have and we had like your you know your run-of-the-mill 
homecoming and we had prom but it was called junior senior <laughs> i don't know why i guess because only juniors and seniors could go unless like you but you could also invite a sophomore i don't know it was very confusing <laughs> but then we had one that was every year it was called hustling for haiti no no <laughs> yeah. no tina and they did it every year. Every year. It was like a charity event. And like we raised money for was this born the, the, the nation of Haiti. I guess there was also <laughs> like our school like was obsessed with Haiti and would take oh my God. like uh, volunteerism trips there like yeah. all the time. And it was so funny. Me and my friend um, Elise always like would laugh so hard because girls would go on these like spring break trips mm-hmm. to haiti and then they would come back and they'd be asked to um to give like a speech on like what they learned oh, and you know it was always like the not to stereotype but like the uber episcopalian mm-hmm. girls that uh wrote like a font yeah um and their their speeches would literally always go as as follows <laughs> they'd be like when i learned that i would be going to haiti i was terrified <laughs> But when I got there, my horrors were confirmed when I had to sit. (laughs) However. (laughs) When I had to sleep on a dirt floor. But when I saw the smiles on the black children of Haiti, when they had nothing, it made me feel so good. Classic. The end. And like that was always like the basic. Made me feel so good. (laughs) Yeah. The six days I was there. They would always talk about how the relief they felt when they saw poor yeah. impoverished children still happy yeah. still happy, happy yeah. in quotation marks um even though they had nothing mm-hmm. so like the th- like the takeaway was like i can still feel okay being yeah. rich because people who are yeah. poor are, are content yeah. um <laughs> and it was yeah it was always like blueprint the same thing over and over okay, again it we was did so not fun. have a hustle for haiti hustling for haiti hustling. with a with a uh, apostrophe gotcha yeah <laughs> Um, but we always had, besides that train wreck mm-hmm. of a, of a concept, I actually really did like our dances because, uh, we always had a live band and I don't know, I mean, I guess it comes from being a Southern p- private school. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the code was not like, uh, humping and grinding. It mm-hmm. was swing dancing. See, that was the code. I forgot to mention that. In it our was, dances. uh, mm-hmm humping and grinding right yeah. um yeah i actually did enjoy that part because uh the usually very um toxically masculine mm-hmm. energy that was the boys school for some reason like shed that when it came to dancing <laughs> and they all like if you were good at swing dancing as a guy it was seen as a plus like an attractive quality wow. um so they were all like very good at like doing the pretzel and flipping us around <laughs> and like we grew up on different planet <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it was a it was a highlight and then and then you know there were vast negatives sure so it all canceled yeah, out yeah yeah um but yeah anyway <laughs> that's a little levity for you in this very <laughs> conceptual conversation um yeah. i didn't go to prom ever actually you didn't no. what did you i think that was a huge thing for other schools like was to not go to prom i don't think that was the case for our school like people no. everyone went yeah, most people, yeah, I would say most people went, um, and then there was, like, an anti-prom, usually. Was that, like, a party at someone's yeah, house? Yeah, it was usually just a party. Okay. Um, which I would go to, so. And 
it was a it worked out <laughs> okay interesting mm-hmm. yeah i think like laura said like she, or dom said that she and him watched the jimmy neutron movie and then he <laughs> she went and then he ended up just not going into prom night he just watched the jimmy neutron That's movie perfect. Yeah, which Classic. sounds like a good night sounds to like me. Sounds like a John Hughes film. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Neutron. <laughs> Just Dom in the basement somewhere watching a Nickelodeon movie. <laughs> yeah, and was quite content. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how do you see then, like, going back to the original question, mm-hmm. like, you reckoning with that mm, struggle in the future? I don't know. Like, do you see it at your job? And do you see it pose? I'm sure it will mm-hmm. pose a problem for everyone. Yeah, I mean, it's not, like, a overt thing. It's just fine. Like, obviously, people talk about this stuff all the time, but, like, being in it, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, I guess the only way to, quote-unquote, combat it is to kind of find a little space to climb up and then mm-hmm. use that to pull people up who you want to be surrounded by. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think at the job I have now that's – that's not really my goal or (laughs) what's going to happen. And that's not to say there are some women I really look up to who are in higher roles, but um, I don't know. I think it's just like coming to terms with the fact that the pretty privilege thing, like I don't think I'm going to have that foot in the door. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm like, Oh, I have to be not that people who have pretty privilege aren't inherently talented because they are. That's the, obviously the toxic part of it is like, you don't want to, I don't want to, um what's the word discredit anyone for that because it's like not their fault um well it's like a snowball effect like yeah. you get one piece of validation and then that like kind of gives you the encouragement to right. um, cultivate your talent after yeah. you've already gotten the leg up yeah so i don't know i guess it's just like how to get the leg up is the question mark that I'm trying to answer. Yeah. It feels like you either have to play into it or you have to go totally to the other side of the spectrum and be so anti it that. Yeah. um, Like there's no way to exist around it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause there are people, women who have circumvented that and like, it's just, I guess I need to look into how they did it more. I mean, they did it because they're talented and they hustled but yeah um I don't know I guess it's just like it's back to what I was saying about the whole like validation thing just like evolving into something new that I haven't experienced before right well there's like that whole thing kind of like the the Whitney Cummings comedy like type of comedy Mm. like she came up in a time where that brand of feminism was just being like one of the boys. Mm-hmm. Like you're trying, you're a woman who's trying to uh, alter your personality, your content, everything to basically be a carbon copy of what men are doing already right. and beat them at their own game. Right. Where people I've, I've heard talk in various forms of media saying like, I don't think it would kill men to try to be more like yeah. women yeah. or to try to shed even like those gender binaries and yeah. exist somewhere in the ether of that mm-hmm. like like uh when women are trying to uh use less exclamation points in their <laughs> yeah. in their emails and it's like well maybe men could maybe say yeah. like please Soften and thank you more yeah right yeah i feel like that's the thing the rhetoric is always like 
have thicker skin, like, um, just like be hard, more hardcore, like yeah. no bullshit. And it's like, wait, what if I like don't want to do that? Right. <laughs> what like, if what I if like you the way that I care, care about other people's feelings? Yeah. Maybe balance it out a little bit so you're not getting walked all over. Mm-hmm. But I think like men could be do the work and you know be a little more conscious of their surroundings and other people and how they feel (laughs) yeah and I think it goes it's interesting like I think it goes back to the whole like full circle thing of overgeneralizing or oversimplifying I've seen (laughs) regarding the email uh etiquette rhetoric on Twitter Mm -hmm. um people were saying like women always um ask like does that make sense or like did I make sense or that mm-hmm. kind of thing? And you shouldn't do that anymore. You're like, blah, blah, blah. It really right. discredits you. And then other people were chiming in and were like, no, I want to ask that. Right. Or <laughs> something, I want to make sure it made sense. Uh, something that I was trying to write a joke about. And then someone already, like someone said it while I was like, had it in a note somewhere. And I was like, fuck, I didn't mm-hmm. get there fast enough. Was, I think people don't realize like, and I really don't remember if I've said this before. I really need to start like my work on my short-term memory when it comes to the, <laughs> what I've said on the podcast. Yeah. But a lot of the times when I'm saying, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I'm not asking out of fear that I didn't convey the message well yeah. enough. I'm asking, did you receive it? <laughs> yes. Like, did, did that make sense to you? For the person to question you. Yeah. I'm like, did that enter into your mind with any kind of confusion? Because mm-hmm. I delivered it the best way I could like did you take it in yeah exactly that's what I'm asking I'm not Mm -hmm. worried about my uh my own skills in communication I'm worried about your skills in (laughs) in listening it's funny because I and like even my high school jobs and now I always like a quote-unquote strength that always gets pointed out by like managers and stuff is like I'm really good with new people and I'm good at training people Mm. um and I'm you did start training people like two months into your job (laughs) yeah and I was like I really don't think I'm that good at it I think I just am better than uh, other people the men I work with Mm -hmm. at making sure that it makes sense right intuitiveness (laughs) to the needs of others when like entering a new job yeah Yeah. which I think is a very underrated skill that Mm -hmm. often is like it's one of those things that's spun into a negative aspect of someone Mm -hmm. is like being too I don't know. Easygoing. I don't know. To open almost being seen as like to, a pushover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it gets not put the negatively. boss, basically. Like, yeah, where you're like, I don't give a fuck if you understand what yeah, I'm exactly. saying. I'm gonna keep. Yeah, <laughs> mic drop. Like, yeah. No. Like, I do give a fuck if you understand what I'm saying. That's the point. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's gonna be another iteration of like the girl boss in like the <laughs> next round of? <laughs> whatever we come to a do you know what i mean <laughs> like is there going to be another like caricature that we can the womanist to society the, I tweeted that. <laughs> the fem cell is probably the, the next one yeah. <laughs> of the dirt bag left yeah. <laughs> i aim to be that spinny finger yeah <laughs> austin's fingering us again i'm gonna say he that every just won't time. stop <laughs> every podcast spinny finger <laughs> I don't know. I'll let you know. Right now, I think it's just a combination of being young and being in an entry-level position and being new on the scene at whatever I'm trying to do. True. I mean, also... Which is hard for anyone. Yeah. I'm not chalking it up to... That's just sexism. Like, I think it's just generally hard. Yeah. Do you think it's, like, 
less of a pressing issue right now because you're not necessarily in a job that you want to stay in for the rest of your life like do you think mm-hmm. it'll become more of an issue for you when I don't know maybe you get in like a writer's room or something? I think so like I think it hits different points for me um because I don't know like even though maybe I won't be at this job forever I still put my you know 100% time and energy into it and Mm -hmm. I want to like advocate for myself because I haven't been great at doing that in the past so I just want to be like no matter what I'm doing even if it's like a passion of mine or just a nine to five Mm -hmm. like I want to be uh fairly appreciated for it um and that's something that's like bubbled up um especially through the course of like the pandemic and just like everything that people have been expecting of each other through it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I just want to be appreciated for it no matter what. Yeah. I just um, want to be appreciated. And yeah, it's been coming up that a lot of people go their entire 40 year careers without ever being fairly compensated or fairly appreciated for what they do. Yeah, and I just stressful. like, I'm scared of falling, not falling into that. It's not the people's fault for that happening. It's the people they work for, but I'm scared of that happening to me. Mm-hmm. So. I know. And that's why sometimes I'm like, maybe I should just be a farmer and then <laughs> workplace politics is not right. <laughs> huge. Workplace <laughs> politics. <laughs> the ladybugs. Like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> the corn will grow no matter what. <laughs> I get a lot of bug bites. Not yeah. <laughs> really into that idea either. So, you know, I'm literally between a rock and a hard place. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's just be farmers, and we we would absolutely not succeed at that. <laughs> God no! I'm literally I'm looking at the dead plant that my mom yeah, gave me like a week ago. It's also like the hardest job ever. I don't <laughs> cultivating the land, like that movie Minari we watched. Oh my gosh, good movie, very good movie. But where like the whole thing is about a Korean family coming to like the Midwest and mm-hmm. trying from scratch to harvest Build farm and yeah, cultivate farmland mm-hmm. from like a f- an open field and i i watching that i was like jesus christ i don't think i realized like the land is not even dirt yet <laughs> yeah you know you don't even have that yet <laughs> like you have to get through the layer of grass that's been there for yeah. like hundreds of thousands <laughs> millions of years no literally and then finding water it's like how <laughs> i know would they have to the, in the movie they have to like they use a water stick figure out uh where the land is sloping so to find the best right. place for a water source like a well mm-hmm. and i was like already there you've got me out of the literally, game literally however long a person can live without drinking water is how long i would be able to have a farm like <laughs> yeah. i just wouldn't be able to find water and i would just die along with my non-existent crops so. i know and i'll just stick to my facebook farm what was it called <laughs> farmville farmville <laughs> what a fucking weird phenomenon isn't it strange how people love to work in video game yeah capacities? cooking mama world kitchen Nintendo dogs um, mm-hmm. um yeah uh animal crossing that's something that i never got into but i i guess that was the reason why i was like so this just seems like another webkins where i'm yeah just trying to raise money to keep my personhood alive <laughs> yeah. in this in this alternate world oh my gosh i couldn't even do that that's why I just like those games where it's like dressing up the doll. <laughs> Polly Pocket. Yeah. Dress oh, up. God. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll just do that for the rest of my life. Polly Pocket? Is that what it was? Wait, what do you mean doing it for the rest of just your life? Just playing the game. Play- <laughs> 
playing with dolls. Yeah. Maybe I'll just do that for yeah, the rest I have of my life. Some time to make up because I didn't do that as a kid. So they do taste good. People. <laughs> on- okay. Yeah. Chewing on the Polly Pocket, like chewing uh, the closed discourse, is that's so funny. That's rampant. another thing that I can't believe so many people relate to. I know. Like just the thing you think that is only yeah um, like one person experiences did you ever do the thing as a kid <laughs> where when i was little i would like say something ridiculous out loud like blarkish garb and then i'd be like i'm the only human being who's ever said that <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> i think i did that but with like motions i was like i'm gonna stand on one foot sneeze <laughs> and then like bat my eyelashes three times yeah and i'm the only person that's ever done that those three things in mm-hmm. succession <laughs> And I'm the first. Yeah, I'm the first and I'll be the last. Yeah, it's a slippery slope from that to like colonization. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) On that note. (laughs) Tune in next week and we'll tackle the concept of imperialism and colonialism. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) While we also figure out the whole Israeli-Palestinian thing. Yeah, that'll be like a, uh, that'll be the cold open. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The five minutes at the beginning. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, perfect. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Artificial Intelligence. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at Artificial Intelligence Podcast. If you have an existential question you need us to answer correctly, slide into our DMs or shoot us an email at ai.thepodcast at gmail.com. The year is 1988. The Soviets are withdrawing from from Afghanistan. (laughs) Crack cocaine. (laughs) Tina. (laughs) I'm going to start over. (laughs)